It's good morning. Good morning. Ah. Um, we're living in exciting times right now. 2017, the time of creation. Um, these are exciting days that we live in. It, it is true that in many ways the world is hurting and grieving and pain and that we live in unprecedented days with regards to uncertainty. Our political um, landscape worldwide has or is changing enormously uh, on a daily basis. And yet, we are the people of God, and we are the people of hope. And we are, I believe, just living in days where people are more open to the person of Jesus than ever before. Uh, we're back. Uh, there were five of us. We were over in Nottingham for the week um, at the National Leaders Conference for Vineyard Churches. There were... Uh, 1,300 people gathered from all over the movement, UK, Ireland, uh, many from other nations around the world, from vineyard churches. And I have to say, just the most incredible time that we had together, um, hearing stories, uh, sermons, encounters with Jesus in worship and ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit that just honestly... Honestly, uh, this is not just dribble old talk that, oh, that's, you're meant to say that sort of stuff. It's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what I think the Lord is doing. And whilst we do live in a uh, world, a political world that is uncertain and it is fragile right now, we stand upon the rock. And we stand and are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So there are kingdoms built by man that are really rocky right now, really shaken right now. But his kingdom cannot be shaken. And we are a part of that. And it's wonderful. And we're really, really excited. Now to the notes. Um, you join us, um, we're talking about building from the bottom up, we're talking about building and being a part of this wonderful thing called church. The church was given to by Jesus, we are the bride of Christ, we are the body of Christ and he calls us to partner with the kingdom but the church is not the kingdom but it is a facility, it is a vessel, it is a means to an end to seeing God's kingdom come here on earth. And we love it. We love being part of the church. We've loved the last few days sharing with other leaders and seeing what God's up to within the movement. And uh, we want to take some time in the beginning of this year to kind of just remind ourselves and impart some vision who we are, what we're made for, where we're going, how we're going to get there. And one of the things that I hope we don't stop, and in fact never stop talking about, is His presence. We need His presence presence. If he is not present, we may as well go home now. If he isn't present in our midst or in our lives, we may as well go and join the golf club. 
or the bridge club or the bowls club. I haven't quite got to that age yet. Yet. But we need to have his presence. We've said it before. We've written it. I think it was in the newsletter that was sent to you recently. Unless your presence goes with us, do not send us from here. And so last week, we talked about having a plan of action or a philosophy of ministry. That's a long kind of word. And, and really, we, we summarize there are three things that it's important that we really consider. We really think about who we are, what we're made for, where we're going, all that sort of stuff. Because it gives us our identity was the first thing. The second thing was it acts as a filter so we know what to say yes to and what we say no to. And what are the things that we need to partner with God and with people on. And what are the things that we think actually that's all brilliant stuff and godly stuff. But actually it's not what we're called to or what we sense God is leading us into. And then lastly it acts as a sign on the bus. We know where we're going. It was funny, walking around Nottingham during the last week, that was my university town, uh, where I went 20-ish something years ago. And, uh, and, and I looked as the buses kind of all, all came around and all the rest, and I was like, I remember getting the, I, I'm going to guess because I can't actually remember the number, the 91 bus, or I remember you could get the 30 bus again. That's not accurate, I'm making that up. But I remember that that was how I got around. The, the sign on the bus tells you where it's going, and it's important that if you're on the bus, you need to know where you're going. And at some point, you might think, no, I'm going to join another bus. And we hope that you don't do that. But you might. And God might be leading you that way. But we hope that you don't. It acts as a sign on the bus. What we want to talk about this morning is the building. How do we build from the bottom up? And the first thing is this, that we start with a dream. We start with a picture of what it's going to look like. And it, first of all, it could be we need to think about what kind of building we build. Are we building a hospital? Are we building a shop? Are we building a house? Are we building a railway station? Whatever it might be. And once you have that in your mind, you can then begin to put the nuts and bolts uh, behind it. Some of you may well have built your own home in the past. Or you might have built even a garden shed or something like that. And it begins with a dream. It begins with this picture of, Wow, that's what I think it's going to look like. And then you begin on the journey of making the dream become a reality. And you can apply the things that we're going to discuss today to a whole number of different things in life. It's not just uh, building a church from the bottom up, but it could be starting a new business. It could be starting a, a ministry. It could be starting a marriage or a family, a new hobby, could be a number of different things. It's something, it's this dream that you're seeking after and you're looking to build. If you were to build any kind of building, you start with land. You start with a place. You appoint an architect. You get planning permission. And once all those things are approved, you begin to build. You dig the earth. You fill it with concrete. That's the stuff that you don't see. You build with blocks or bricks or whatever and you insulate the walls and you put windows and doors in and then you put a roof on the top and then the plumbers come in and the, and the, 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 the wood people, the carpenters come in and the electrician come in and they put all the fixtures and fittings, I think they're called. And then when it's all done, 
people go inside the building. Because it's not just a building. It's a building that things happen in. And things uh, occur while we're there. The dream for this church began many years ago. It began, uh, honestly, when we met. And that dream began to kind of bubble as time went on. Uh, it took a big step forward on our wedding day, on our wedding day at Belfast Castle. Some of you know this, some of you don't know this. Um, on our wedding day, our pastor, our friend from England who spoke at our wedding, he's like, mate, you're called to be here. Because we were living in England at that time. Uh, you're called to be here and you're called to plant churches here. And he said that, and I was just like, and I said to him, I said, mate, I know. That was in the year 2000. That was the dream, and the dream bubbled, and it, and it, was, uh, we, it was years and years and years until the dream became, in fact, it was 10, over 10 years until the dream became a reality. We have a whole nother sermon or sermon series on, on, on uh, dreams becoming reality. That's not what we're looking at this morning. Maybe that's for another time. But when we were preparing to plant, we were encouraged by uh, people that were really assisting us and helping us. They were like our architects um, to write down the dream. And now, if you know me, I'm not the kind of writey downy kind of person. Now, that's not to say that it's, that's really good stuff. Like Chantel's a real look. This is this is the notebook, and it's full of writey down stuff. But we were encouraged to write down our dream and the thoughts and, uh, of who it is that we are called to be. And remember, right now, we're going to be a place where we're just going to worship the Lord. We're going to do what we did there. We're going to be a place where we're going to go, where people can feel that they can come no matter who they are or what their background is. We want this to be a safe place. We want this to be a place where people will encounter Jesus. We want people that are far from God and broken will come and have their lives restored. We want people that have had a churched experience one time or another, but they somehow fell away. We want to be a people that reaches out to the poor. These were all these kind of things we wrote down. In fact, whenever it came to starting, I met with Phil. Some of you will know Phil, who's part of our church, Philip Milnes. And he was the guy that came up with our red shoes and our black shoes. Oh, there they are. Oh, goodness. That, that was his design work, and all that came from a conversation over a beer down at the Windrows. As we, uh, he said, tell me, tell me, tell me what's a church. And I just blurted out all this stuff that I've just blurted out. It's not in the notes, as you can tell. And, and this is kind of what it came, and it conveys the message, conveys the message. This is who we are. This is what we're seeking to be. And so, uh, here we are, six and a bit years later. And people have said to us, you know, is this what you imagined? Is this what you thought it would be like? And this, what I, what I mean is this, when we look around, this is not it, by the way. It's just a bit of it. People say, you know, have you, have you seen what you thought it would look like and be like? And the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, it is what we thought it would be like. And that's not with a hint of arrogance. It's just that we've seen it before. We've seen God move 
and transform lives and transform communities and gather people and inspire people and see people set free. We've seen it. We've been a part of that journey for years and years. So on the one sense, yes, we did anticipate that. But in the other sense, no. No. There's a verse in Ephesians. Do we have these verses? Oh, good. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, it says this. Paul writes to the Ephesians saying, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout our, all generations forever and ever. Amen. The title of the conference that we're at was More, and we encountered the more of God over the last few days, more of his presence, more of his love, his grace, his mercy, his healing, his power, and his compassion for the lost. We have been bowled over by the things that God has done more than what we anticipated or imagined. But this isn't it. We have not arrived it is not like ever. This side of heaven, we will never arrive because God is always on the move, because God is always doing new things, because he's always interacting and working in our lives. This is not it. And now those of you who have been with us on the journey and those of you who are just new into the journey, you are a part of the story. You are a part of what God is doing in us and through us in these coming days. Building from the bottom up starts with a dream, but then needs to be articulated and needs to be kind of encapsulated. And one way that a church can do this, like a business, like a, a school, like a, any kind of group of people, is through a mission statement or a vision statement. And uh, this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about our mission statement. Now, here we go. I don't know about you, I get confused. What is a mission statement? What's a vision statement? And, and there's different schools of thought. So very briefly, and you might disagree with these things, a mission statement is just a few words, a sharp, short sentence that kind of describes who we are. And Sometimes it can be like a slogan that you might have heard uh, before. A vision statement gives direction by describing who we are becoming. So a mission statement is, this is who we are. A vision statement is, this is who we are becoming. It's a future-orientated picture of what we are striving for. So this is who we are and everything else that we do. And a vision statement is a vision of what we're seeking to become um, in the future and also gives legs to the mission statement by how we are going to get there. So, a mission statement conveys a few words, and I wonder if you can recognize any of these. I'm gonna read them out, you're gonna call them out what you think they are. I'm loving it. That was good. You can call them out if you want to. Every little helps. Just do it. Live well for less. It is Sainsbury's. I'll be well impressed if you know this one. Faster than road or rail. Translink, no. Not easy jet. It's what? 
No, good one. No, it's not one of the delivery comers. Ryanair, no. Fly B. We were on the plane, landing in Belfast. I looked out the window. There it was. I thought, that'll do. <laughs> it's good to talk. This is one closer to home. Developing and empowering young people for life. Carrot College, the school that we're in. There we go. Refreshing the world one story at a time. That's really interesting. Coca-Cola. It's a new one. What was the other Coca-Cola one? The real thing. There you go. Now, here we go. I'm going to try my best to pronounce this one. Vorsprung Dirk Technik. Audi. Here he is. The old timer with the Audi. It's a soft top, don't you know? Um, think different. Apple, well done. Because you're worth it. L'Oreal. What did you say? Some kind of shampoo. Says the man with the bald head. He's completely got it wrong. <laughs> What's ours? A place of hope. A place of hope. That's our mission statement. That's who we are. We use lots of other slogans, don't we? One-liners, convey a message, convey who we are. But ultimately, we are a place of hope. I'm going to read a wonderful story from John chapter 5. It's nine verses. Um, there they are. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. He's been in Galilee for a while, so he's come back south again to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, a pool of water, we assume, which in Aramaic, which is the language, is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters, the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. We read this brilliant story where once again Jesus encounters someone in need and he heals them. He has journeyed to Jerusalem to this place called Bethesda, which in the Hebrew means house of grace or place of outpouring. 
Here there is a pool with a great number of disabled people, is what it says in the text. And they would hang out there daily looking to get healed. And what the text tells us is that occasionally an angel of the Lord would come, stir the water. I'm kind of doing this. I don't know how the angel would do it. But in such a way, and the first person in would get healed. That's what the Bible tells us. And Jesus encounters this man who has been there for, well, we don't know if he's been there for 38 years at the pool, but he's certainly been in his physical condition for 38 years. And Jesus has this conversation. And we've said this similar because Jesus had this very same question to lots of people that encountered. And it was this, do you want to get well? It's a great question that we can ask ourselves. Those of us who've suffered in all manner of different things or different ways before. It's a good question. Do you want to get well? And his response to him is, there is no one to help me. There's no one to help me get in the water. And by the time the angel comes and stirs the water, it's too late. Someone else has jumped in. I need some help. I need someone to come alongside me and put me into the water to do that. Jesus doesn't do that. He simply says, up you get, take your mat and walk. Of all the parts and places in Jerusalem, remember this. Jesus has come on a long journey. He's come to Jerusalem and this is the part of the city that he visits. It's so like Jesus, isn't it? It's so like Jesus. Of all the places that he would go to, he would go to the pool where people who are most broken, who are most in need of an encounter, who are most in need of being healed, Jesus goes to this place. This place, the pool at Bethesda, was a place of hope. Men and women would have gathered there, hoping, longing for just to be made well. It was a place of hope. Why did you come to Carrick College, to Carrick Vineyard today? Why did you get out of your bed and come here today? Those of you who've been before, why did you come again to Carrick College, Carrick Vineyard? Why did you come? Go ahead. To meet with Jesus. Wonderful. Any more? You don't have to put your hands up. I know it's school, but not it's church today. Any other? Why did you come? To be in his presence. Wonderful. What else? To worship. Go ahead, Brian. To worship. Great. Any more? To be with his people. So much more fun together. There's lots of other reasons. I've put here, Jesus is present. We come as we are, whether we're lame, whether we're diseased, whether we're hurting, broken, fearful, shattered dreams, or we're grieving. We come as we are. We lay at Jesus' feet. But unlike the man in the story, like was last said somewhere over here, there are other people to help. This man in the story at the place of hope had no one to help him into the waters. But here in this church, there are people to help. There are people to walk the journey, to talk, to share, to make meals, and to lay hands and to pray, asking, God, would you come? 
would you come and do the things that you did in this story for this my friend or this my stranger who I've never met before but you've come to a place of hope to encounter him. Jesus gives us power and authority to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we were reminded this again at the conference that we as vineyarders, this is our birthright. This is who we are. We get to play. We get to use these and lay them on our brothers and sisters and invite the presence of Jesus that has the power to transform our lives, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to set the oppressed free, to give people hope. This is our story. This is Vineyard Church and this is who we are. And laying hands on one another and praying for one another is not for the chosen few. It is for everyone. And if you're someone, you've been coming to our church for a while and you still haven't got there, I'm encouraging you, you need to get there. You need to learn to do that. We need to teach you. We need to model that to you. But unless you are doing those things, you are, you're cheating yourselves. I'm going to be strong and just say that. This is not for the super spiritual. Forgive me for what I'm going to say. I'm going to be blunt, but get over yourselves and just get your hands dirty. Get your hands and just lay hands. If you know Jesus and you love him. Even though your life might be not so good and a bit messed up yourself. That's okay. Lay hands and invite the presence of God to change hearts, minds, lives. That's it. It's part of who we are. And it doesn't just happen here on a Sunday. This is a place of hope. This is why we come. But tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, nearly every night, there is a place of hope. It will be down in one of our venues. It will be one of your homes as you open your homes. They will be encounters of Jesus available and ready for you, for those of you that have chosen to go there. I would hope that every environment that is run throughout the week under our name is a place of hope where prayer would at least be offered to you that you could encounter God. But it's not just there. It's wherever you go tomorrow and the next day. Like Ian and Jules said, wherever you go, he goes. And you carry his presence. And so tomorrow, at 11 o'clock when it's tea break time or fag smoking time or whatever it might be, you get the opportunity just to be with other people. You're mindful of their story and their situation. And maybe at some point you might just have the courage to say, can I pray for you? And maybe as a little warm-up act you could say, I'm praying for you. And maybe someday you'll get to, I'd like to pray for you. Would you be okay with that? Share your story. Share your lives with them. I realize that time is upon us and I really want to uh, just get through this this morning. How else are we a place of hope? Here's a few uh, numbers from last year throughout our compassion ministries. 49 hampers were made at Christmas. 56 gifts were given to cat clients at Christmas. 52 ARC bags were given away to primary school children 
uh, whose families would struggle to provide their children uh, with those basic things. 15 people attended our Celebrate Recovery course, 25 attended our CAP money courses, 200 scones were given away at sold, the rest even, I, sorry. Uh, 20 nationalities were represented and attended diversity. 7.4 tons of food was given away, feeding 450 adults and 549 children through the food bank, which we're partners with JVC Church here in Carrick. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. What are you asking for? What are you contending for? What is it that God has spoken? What is the dream that he has laid upon you for your life, for your involvement as part of journeying life together on our bus, which is Carrick Vineyard? Um, many of you will have received uh, the Carrick Vineyard newsletter, which goes out every month. And as well as finding out what's going on in our church, which is quite helpful for me to know, um, there are some things I read, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> sure, you're glad to know that. Um, the, the, the thing that excites me the most that I always go to is the end. It's the hot seat. It's when we get to hear someone's story. And this month was uh, David and Jude Abraham. And I want to read uh, what they wrote. This is the question. What would you like to see happen in the future for Carrick Vineyard? They, they say some really good stuff about marriage and their involvement in the marriage course. But then they write this that Carrick Vineyard would be a place where people can meet with God and he can heal their brokenness and restore their hope. The second question was, has God placed anything on your heart for the coming year? And this is what they wrote. Reflecting God's love to those we come into contact with on a daily basis, being obedient in the small things, not just the big things, to recognize those around us who may be hurting or struggling and bring light and hope into their situation or any situation we find ourselves. And then the last question was, give us three words that describe what you most like about Carrick Vineyard. Compassion, freedom, and community. Which is pretty good. And maybe they have read things on our website and our literature because our core values are connection, community, and compassion. So maybe they're cheating slightly when they got there. Maybe that's just who we are. And maybe they've just picked it up. Back to you, and we end with this. What would you like to see happen in the future? What is it that he's speaking to you about? What has he placed on your heart? What can you imagine? What do you long to see God do in our lives and in our communities? Because whatever they are, that's a vision statement. All we've talked about this morning is our mission statement, place a hope. But what you're longing for in the future, what you're seeing and what God's revealing to you about is a vision statement. This is what we're contending for and hoping for, praying for. And then we need to put some nuts and bolts. How are we going to get there? There's no point just thinking about the future or dreaming. How are you going to get there? How are you going to fulfill that which God's promised? speaking to you about I'm so sorry I've overrun and we're the kids people will kids teams will be begging us to go collect them those of us who've got children in the children's thing so what I'd like us to do is 
we're going to pray. And I really believe that he's here in the room to meet with many of you. You have come as you are, but you really want to encounter his presence and meet with him. And so I'm going to pray. These guys will, they're just going to worship. These guys are just going to lead some worship, but we will finish. But if you want to encounter his presence, please make your way here. We'll pray for you. Otherwise, stay where you are, but have someone pray with you. And if you need to go, please go and God bless. God, we thank you that you are with us. Thank you that your presence is with us. And we just welcome you to come and have your way with us. We pray that you would do what you did when you walked this earth, Jesus. You do that here in this time and in this place, but you do that in the marketplace and the workplace and the home tomorrow and the next day. Amen.